I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Matters podcast. And listeners, our guest today is none other then an absolutely sensational Aussie gal doing the most extraordinary things in life and work. So hello, Luwina, and how are you this afternoon? <laughs> oh, look, I'm so glad to be here. It's been a while since I've uh, had the opportunity to just have a good chat with another uh, gal like yourself <laughs> and just talk about things that make thrive. So I'm really excited. Thank you. Well, look, thriving in life and work isn't easy and you have um, a really interesting life story, and uh, which then affects your work story. And that's what we're all about. So, listeners, our guest today is Luena Jordovic. And more importantly, she is a trailblazer, a most amazing journey that she's had. Luena is the founder and CEO of the Room Exchange. And I'm going to hold you up there because it's a big X. C-H-A-N-G, so just remember that because it can get you into a bit of trouble if you put the E in. But I love the exchange here, and it's Australia's first verified house sharing platform. Now, I think we're going to have a really interesting conversation, but before we get into that, we're just going to all, um, what we do with most guests is ask them what actually gets them out of bed each day. So let's ask the question. Ludwina, what gets you out of bed each day? Well, usually a good night's sleep will do it. So <laughs> I'll keep up. Otherwise, uh, nah. Um, <laughs> I like having a plan. I like having things that I know that I've got to do during the day. I like being excited about what's coming ahead in my day. Um and I also like building and creating. So the room exchange is very much about building, you know, the this house sharing community, but it's also about people and I love people. Um, I love helping people. And it's, you know, it's been five years building um, a, a company as I have. It becomes very personal. It's it's almost like raising a child in a way. And I've, my kids are adults now, so I and they've all gone, left home. And I guess this is my baby. So in answer to your question, it's just <laughs> get, you know getting up and nurturing and building and raising this you know baby into a adolescent, and then you know off on to the next stage of where it's going to be. I, I I just love growth, and yeah. whether yeah. that's personal growth, business growth, creative growth. Um, and as long as I've got something that I can achieve every day, I'm really excited to get up out of bed. Well, you know, we're all um, we're all growing, whether we're growing taller or, or rounder or in age or in years of wisdom, I like to think about it. I've just yeah. been celebrating two 70th birthdays with two girlfriends. And then on the, the day we finished doing that, I got an invite to an 80th, a very good friend of mine who's 80. And I'm just going... My life is richer because of them. So, you know, hashtag 
people are the profession. And Ludwina, that's why we talk to people just like you and we seek out all the most interesting goals, passions and uh, social outreach that most people really um, have, have really got a passion for these days. And so let's just talk about you a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about you in a, in a snapshot. You as, as the child growing up, now as the adult, just give us a quick snapshot so our listeners get to actually imagine what you look like because I see the most beautiful woman in front of me, great smile. Um, her eyes twinkle when she talks about what she does, listeners. So over to you. Tell us a little bit about you. Oh, gosh, I'm 56 now, so you're talking a long time ago. <laughs> um, my childhood was uh, um, it's kind of very uh, difficult, um, some moments of joy, um, chaotic, uh, painful, tough, you know, like... Um, uh, it, it's kind of it, it's interesting talking about it now because when you've had a lot of challenges as a childhood as a child mm -hmm. and then you work through them as an adult when when I get asked that question it's like I'm I'm so far removed from it now because there's already forgiveness and understanding and yeah. um a gratitude for the pain actually having developed my level of empathy and understanding and care for people um and also I'm grateful because I was able to clearly understand what kind of parent I didn't want to be and mm. then what kind of parent I wanted to be. And now seeing my children 30 and 28 and the outcome of that, it was like, oh, they didn't get any of it, you know. Oh. They didn't get any of the bad stuff. Have you? Um, but, not, but they also were free range, you know, so they could climb trees and break limbs if that was part of their journey or, you know, let them discover life. I didn't wrap them up in cotton wool by any means but um it was just kind of like so in terms of my childhood you know I left school at 15 left home at 16 moved to Sydney from a little country town um just outside of Albury on my own with 200 dollars in my pocket and then my life kind of unfolded from there so um 16 for me was a very pertinent time it was a very uh cornerstone time in my life where I made a decision that I knew I didn't want to live how I was living, but I didn't know what I wanted, but I knew I needed to go and explore to discover it. And that was really pivotal because um, I call it my first um, significant reference point in life. Uh -huh. So if, so anything that I did beyond that in the coming years, I'd look back and I'd say, well, if I could leave home at 16 on my own, then I can do this, you yeah. know, and yep. If anybody looks kind of over the journey of their life from a child to where they are today, um, there would be key reference points, milestones, whatever you want to call them. But I, I think the really reference points where you say, oh, geez, I survived that or I overcome that, therefore I can do this. And so they're the gifts I guess I would say about my um, childhood and how it's formed me to being who I am today. And, you know, there, there's things like, you know, says my, my children are the outcome. I've been an entrepreneur for 28 years, so I've never had a day job. So I think that chutzpah that I had at 16 when I left was a, a driving force of that. And I'm literally, um, I'm not sure when this goes to air, but on the 3rd of October, it's my 30th wedding anniversary. And that is something that I'm incredibly proud of, not for the sake of getting to the number, 
but getting to the point in this stage of my life with Harry where we still really like each other, yeah. you know, and we've formed into each other and we still want to rip each other's heads off at times, of course, but, <laughs> you know, the things that used to matter don't seem to matter and you sort of get to the stage where you appreciate the wonderful things, not focus on the things that you're not getting, if that makes sense. So my journey of life really is, it's almost like as I say it, it feels like I'm only just starting because I kind of figured out you leave, you don't sweat the small stuff as much. You leave the shit behind you. You just go, hey, you know, there's so many reference points now. It's like, how can I take this into this next yeah. chapter of my life? You know, does it's it make wholesome. sense? It's wholesome, isn't it? You, you know, you're like yeah. a, a really good curry. There's so many spices <laughs> and herbs in there that make up you. I've had this thing for curries over winter. I'm actually know. half Indian. I'm half I'm half uh, Fijian Indian, so it's funny you say that. Well, I just had this image of of just a whole range of spices, you know. Um, it's that's beautiful. And tell me, do you think that this, this is why you've become um, a passionate portrait figure and landscape artist? Is there? Do you think there's any link to your story, and then the creations that you uh, you invest in and and explore and make? I, look, I, look. to be honest, I started painting when I was 15. I just turned 56, so six years now, oh. and I'd never had an art class, of, you know, apart from dabbling with some paints, watercolours with my kids when they were little, you know, like yeah. that kind of stuff, but never, music was my bag when I was at school, like um, classical, I was in orchestras, I played 10 different instruments, it really, and I have an entire music room in my house. Um, but painting wasn't, but... What happened at the time, it was when I was capital raising for the room exchange and it was really stressful um, and I found myself uh, needing to just have a couple of weeks break and I went on a retreat which had a whole bunch of sort of alternative therapies and one of them was art therapy and I, I didn't really like it too much. I, I think the concept's great but I thought maybe there's something to the art in it that I liked and I couldn't meditate because they're not solve problems or get creative. Um, so I thought I'd try painting. So when I came home, I literally got a big canvas, an easel, four oils, some turps and some brushes. Harry and I went away for a weekend, uh, rented this gorgeous A-frame wooden house in the, I think it was a Dandenongs or something, surrounded by trees. So it's like a scene in a movie. Yeah. And I had it sitting there. The fire was roaring and it's like, what am I going to paint? <laughs> and I... Um, and then my son sent me a photo, a Polaroid photo that his housemate had taken of him. I thought, oh, that's really, that's a nice photo. I'll paint that. And it's like, who'd ever think to paint a portrait for your first painting? You never had an art class. And to this day, I think it's one of my best paintings. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, it was about 30 hours put into it and a lot of lessons learned. But to me, my art is my form of meditation. Yeah. Um, it's my way to bring, calm me, make me centred and very single focused. Yeah. And what that does for my mind and my ease of spirit and ease of heart is it just washes out everything else, the complexities of my daily life, um, the amount of times I need to split my thinking during the week and then going from very high level to, you know, every day-to-day -day admin stuff and ping-ponging between the two can be a lot. Um, but then 
when I'm having a painting session, when I, whether I'm painting on plein air outside or in my studio here, which is behind the screen, um, <laughs> you know, it's just I'm painting today, so I'll, I'll come up in about four hours and literally the time can go by and the stuff that I can create, I'm just really proud of. I, I, I love that's love, your love, love that's how life. you thrive that's how you're thriving now yeah. after all this yeah. time yeah. i love it because everybody has something different don't they um to be able to immerse yeah. yourself into a process where there's creation and a result at the end is is stunning is beautiful so i I'd, I'd like to see that portrait at, at some point we, we should we should make sure yeah, we can look yeah at definitely it. yeah yeah i'm thinking so Usually I ask most most of the, our guests about um, was there a significant time, person, issue, challenge um, that really has altered the way they now show up each day in, in your work and play? And uh, people often say to me, oh, interesting, interesting question. Mm. Um, but you've already told me that the $200 in your in your wallet at the time yeah, that was of 16 years old. Yeah, it's a long time. But yeah. I'm wondering if there's any anything else that has been a significant event for you or experience. Perhaps it was a mentor. Yeah, hmm. yeah, 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 it's a big one. So uh, it was when I was 44, I had a couple of days of lower back pain and then I was um, diagnosed with a 14-centimetre tumour on my kidney. So I find one minute and then three days later it's like you know <laughs> going through a course of intense tests and things over three weeks to see if it had spread I would have died within a year they wouldn't have been able to to do anything about it um but if it contained itself then um it was a radical nephrectomy and then it was surviving that so there was wow. no guarantee of surviving that either so I was at the lawyers that morning before I had the surgery and you know written letters to all my loved ones sat down with my kids and my husband and Yes, that's massive, isn't it? Yeah, it is just massive. Yeah, mm. yeah, so. yeah. And I, you know, and I, um, I survived, obviously. Mm. Um, so I look at, you know, that's probably one of my, uh, you know, up there top five reference points in terms of, you know, if I can, if my body, I think from a physical and a mental perspective, it took me about ten years to get out of cancer brain because I. Um, I wasn't treated as a, um, a regular cancer patient because I didn't have to have chemo or radiation. Oh. Mm -hmm. And so I was technically healed of cancer after I had the uh, kidney removed. But at that time, there wasn't a lot of awareness around kidney cancer. I got quite vocal about it and have, has, have actually since helped to, um, to bring some realisation around the fact that, you know, kidney cancer patients need to have that su yeah. support, psychological, you know, home care support, things like that, because there was a lot of pressure on my husband financially and practically, um, mm. you know, at that time. And I had to have three surgeries three years in a row in the same place. So um, I was physically, you know, um, out for a good period of that time and then um, had to have a scan, you know, CT scan, a contrast dye, pretty, <clears throat> pretty much of a year to, for about 10 years. And then yeah. my urologist, he said, look, I think you'd be fine, you know, you're right now. <laughs> um, and I, I'm actually now out of cancer brain. Like it, it's it's the only way that I can actually yeah. coin the term where, you know, any little thing that would happen to my body, I think I'll have to come back. And sometimes yeah. it still happens, you know. Um, again, have my, you know, breast scan 
all the time yeah. because there's breast cancer in my family and, you know, all the other things that, you know, you tend to have tests for as you get older more frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it does sort of, there's kind of like a, a bit of a, a trigger button there. It's just like, you know, it can be, um, it can be fired off um, right. pretty easily, but I have the mental awareness around it now to, to know that as long as I'm doing the best that I can for my body, and making sure that stress isn't a big part of my life. Um, it will always have some part of my life. You know, I can't be doing what I'm doing without no, being able to deal with stress. Well, um, it's how, it's but, how we manage the stress it, that's the, the big deal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And that's meantime, what art is for me. Yeah. And in the meantime, yeah. you you have a family to bring up. You have a relationship to be part of. You're a, you're a mm-hmm. partner. You you know, there, there's a whole lot of, a, apart from the businesses that you, you're working with and the passion. Yeah. 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 So, Absolutely, yeah. So it's a decade of um, really learning about yourself, isn't it? When you're sick, like when you when you have an illness like that or, or something that is needing attention, regular attention and checkups. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I've, I've often been asked, you know, what did I learn from it? Like it was some big philosophical kind of like aha moment. And and it's just, you know, like stuff happens to anyone. You can walk across the road and get hit by a bus. There's more chances of that happening than, you know, you getting cancer. Yeah. Um, but that's what I felt like it was like. It was like I was fine one minute, walked across the road and bam, you know, it's, yeah. it just happened. So it just, you know, made me realise that, you know, shit can happen anytime. And it's not, you can't, you don't, you literally do not have any control over that. It's just a matter of how you're actually going to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And dealing with that was something, or how I was going to deal with that was something that I'd spent a lot of time journaling on and thinking about. And and I also gave myself permission to not be okay mm-hmm. at times. So after a surgery, for example, after the first one, I gave myself three months and I told my, um, my husband, my girlfriends, my kids, on this date and the following week every day, I want someone to take me out somewhere. And so that I knew that a week before I had a reminder in my calendar that I needed to start to get myself out of bed mode, that makes all recovery mode and start to sort of get up and walk around a little bit. And, and that was my deadline. And then, so what that meant for me was I was able to um, not be concerned or worried about or um, fixating on, what I might be missing out on or what I'm not doing or not achieving because achievement for me is something that's very important it's a it's my number one strength it's like if I'm achieving I you know feel um it fulfills me it energizes me so I just gave myself permission to you know rest for that time and I guess that in a sense was an achievement you know because giving yourself permission to, to rest yeah, well, <laughs> it's not something that a lot of us are good at doing. Uh-huh. That's yeah. and that's why I brought up the the point about while all this is happening, you're still in in a in a partnership with your husband. You're still bringing up your children, having a family, doing yeah. your business. So so it's quite complex and um it it works. But thanks for sharing those thriving tips you've just given us and our given our listeners. you know some of the tips that you use some of the things the strategies that you've got in place such as the journaling I love the permission to be okay having a date or a deadline to work towards um yeah yeah I think it's perfect and now you've you actually do your artwork so and and we've already heard you scheduled some painting in for today so you know it's just it's possible isn't it 
uh, not to crucify yourself, but to work out what works for your best, to be your best each day. And some days we're not out, yeah. but we're better mm. today. Mm. Yeah. One of the things that actually has come out of that, um, that thinking about giving myself permission to rest is that I have one day a week, I call it a no happy day. And it's usually a Sunday and um, Saturday when I'll, you know, I'll get my nails done or my hair cut or the grocery shopping or clean the house, you know, that's sort of the have to day. But on the Sunday, it's a no have to day. And what that means is, is I don't make any plans at all. And if I feel like doing nothing all day or if I feel like painting all day or if I feel like going and seeing a girlfriend, it's whatever it is that I feel like doing on that day. There's no obligation around anything. Mm-hmm. So if I don't feel like it, I'm not feeling bad for saying no. It's just what do I feel like doing? I might just feel like going for a drive or painting outdoors or um, going and see my kids or just going out for brunch with Harry. You know, whatever it is, it's it's yeah. kind of my my time to fill my cup and to give myself permission to just be who it is that I need to be or want to be on that yeah, day that's yeah. a, that's a really I like that one a lot yeah I, I I think that one's I think we just might call the whole episode no have to no, <laughs> no have to yes no have to, yes, hey. no have to. <laughs> <laughs> I think we nailed that one already no have to day yeah mm. <laughs> so I'm I'm just going to move on to now in all this in the messiness of life and um um, I often think it's you know, just becoming wiser. That's why hindsight's a pain in the butt, you know. Um, it's it's just as, uh, you know, I often think we, we get, you know, wiser as we get older and that's because of the, the lived experience and what we've learned and what we what we shed, what we're dropping off now, not taking any notice of or what we've learned just to, to, to walk calmly with and through. Tell us about your um your businesses your interests over the years of being an entrepreneur so for being an entrepreneur for 35 years that's that's pretty pretty amazing 20 sorry it's 28 now oh, yeah. 28? Pardon, yeah yep yep yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So tell us well, tell us a little bit about that so i guess in um so understanding when i started my journey was pre-internet and pre-digital mm. and i had my first child jordan when i was 25 and then Tiana when I was 27. So when I was about 28, 29, I decided I wanted to make a TV show. And I, I don't know why particular, but I was very interested in, um, always wanted to have conversations with young people, was always really curious. And, you know, go figure, I was still young myself. <laughs> but um, I think if I'd left home early, I'd sort of had wisened up maybe a bit quicker. Uh, there's some... Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, Optus Vision had just launched their community cable network and I had created a pilot of, an, of a show called uh, Straight Talk and it was a panel-type program where I would talk to um, about 10, 18 to 25-year-olds about issues that were relevant to them in the current culture and time. Now, I had no idea how to do that. I just had the vision. And one of the things that had given me the confidence to do that previously was that as I was having, when I first started having my kids, I started doing party plan. Um, and you, you would remember this time. It was really the time when women, it was an opportunity for women to start to learn to have business, you know, some sort of skills outside of the home. Mm. Um, and you have to remember, like when I got, I got married, it's, it was a long time ago, a long time, 30 years. There's a lot, not a lot that's changed in 30 years, unfortunately, in some areas, but you know, there was a, it was a lot like the messages that I got growing up was like, make sure you marry well, you know, go to learn typing school on a manual typewriter just so I could have something to fall back on. Um, you know, so it was like, I wanted to 
do something for myself while I was, you know, nursing my kids and being at home with them. And party plan was great. And I got really good in sales and I got, I got built a lot of confidence in certain areas. And then I was just like, I had this vision for this TV show. And I just thought, I'm just going to find people who know what they're doing. I'm going to present it and it's just going to happen. And then within eight days, I had everything I needed, a bunch of volunteers to create this show that ended up getting broadcast nationally on Optus Vision. Oh, wow. It was amazing. This was, we were, back then, we were talking about issues such as uh, relationships, um, sexuality, mental health, um, you know, like so many, like, topics that nobody was talking about at the time. It was actually, I still have the big uh, beta cam tapes. (laughs) I've got a box of them. Bad hair days. Anyway, um, that's it. That's kind of where it started. So it started with Party Plan and then this TV show and then Optus Vision loved what I was doing. They said, do you want to produce something else? And I produced TV.com. I should have registered that URL today. Um, and that was kind of like when my love of tech really started to, to come in. And and then we TV.com was a five-camera, 30-minute live-to-air show that I directed, which was really amazing. Then I learned to edit. And then they said, oh, look, we really, really love what you're doing. Um, Apple came on board and Apple and Optus sponsored me to create a program that I could run in schools so that we could get Apple and the Optus brand into schools. So that was a pretty big achievement at the time and ended up uh, creating this program called Media Minds, which was a two-day hands-on video production workshop uh, for grade five and six children. We ended up running this program in over 300 schools in Adelaide, Brisbane and Melbourne at $2,000 a pop. And I had teams that I trained that were running. We used to have this media package that we taught them how to get the local media to come and promote it. So we ended up with a whole bunch of free media, still pre-internet and pre-digital. And I sent a 10-page fax to every school to market it. (laughs) And that then, you know, obviously gave me a lot more confidence because ironically I left school at 15. So, Mm -hmm. and I was, you know, running, creating these programs in schools. And then I got hired by the education department to run programs for uh, teachers of media at Genzana College in Melbourne and, yeah. you know, on it went. Then digital came in, made a bit of a shift. That was when life coaching started in Australia. I was one of the first um, NLP practitioners and life coaches to come out. Yep. Um, then ended up developing a national women's business network called the Red Tent Woman, which ended up running uh, women's events in five states. Well, we were launching on the fifth state was the day that I got diagnosed with cancer, but... I um, would run these events and then um, get uh, women would then come and get business coaching with me. Yeah. And and it was a very successful um, approach. And we used to run events in women's homes. Everyone would bring a plate, you know, like we did lovely. back in the yes. day. Yes. Yeah, if they wanted a drink, they'd bring their own bottle of wine, $30 a ticket. So the tickets were cheaper. And, yeah, you know, still have so many women today just say, oh, my God, I remember coming to your events back then. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, cancer came and then I sort of, had to go well what am I going to do that's going to keep my business brand alive that doesn't require me to look good feel good or go anywhere Uh and so I thought I'll start a podcast show and at the time that was 2010 and um you know b2b podcasting was really not a thing as yet and I had to teach people how to download a podcast on iTunes I hit number one three times I got on you and noteworthy you know fast forwards I'm still podcasting today um and I, you know, I think I've produced maybe five shows, done over 300 interviews over the time. And, yeah. um, you know, it, that was just a, an incredible journey. Created the podcast masterclass because a bunch of people were asking me how to, you know, create a podcast show. So I did that. Then the small business podcast show where I charged for interviews because nobody had any media. So then we did that. You know, there's a whole lot of things. I kind of consider myself a bit of a futurist in terms of seeing yeah. where the market's heading um, and getting in on it. Uh, and, you know, from there, 
I started investing in technology, then started advising um, for tech companies from marketing and brand, um, and then started to get some really great learnings from uh, some of these. Um, there's a couple of guys actually I was working with that were really, really savvy. Um, and I started to get a very different perspective of business to what I'd had before and really started to look at the um, look at business from a, a bigger perspective to what mm. I had and realised that I had abilities that I didn't wasn't aware that I had before. And from that perspective was then kind of what led me to believe that I could build something like the room exchange. But that business in and of itself, just most of the things that I've done have come out of a, a question I asked myself or a problem I was solving. And the room exchange was the same. It, it happened after my eldest son left home. I just didn't like the idea of wasted space in my house. Didn't like the idea of um, listing it on a short-term holiday platform but wanted to utilise the space. And so that's how the idea began. And then when a bunch of my friends said, great idea, how can I find someone? I So what, a great, what a great snapshot you've given us of <laughs> playing to your strengths, being yeah. very aware of sort of the big, the bigger picture, not just staying focused in, in, a, in a silo, but being able to, to read the bigger picture, having the guts or the gumption or the grit to, to give it a go. Um, but all all the things that you've done have worked basically on your relationship with people and how to access the idea or make the idea come to fruition. Use you know utilizing people, utilizing the tools at hand, and being able to read the future a little bit. So I think that's nice, and that's a great lead in for you to tell us about the room exchange and mm -hmm. uh, what because I can hear. I can hear the increase, the crescendo just of enthusiasm and passion happening as you talk. And listeners, you can't see, but I can see the winner's uh, eyes here and, and her, her facial expression. So her face just lights up when she's starting to talk about this. So let's hear more about the room exchange. Well, look, we're in the midst of a housing crisis, whether it's the cost to buy a house, whether it's the interest rate hikes that are happening for existing um, homeowners with a mortgage, whether it's individuals or families looking for a house to rent. Mm -hmm. um, there, there are issues all over the place, whether it's tourism towns who can't find, can't hire staff because there's nowhere to house them to, yeah. you know, there, there, there are massive issues right across the board with housing. And we are, uh, the, and Conversely, there are 13.5 million unused spare bedrooms in 10 million homes in Australia. That's, hold on, say that one again. 13.5 million Ooh. unused spare bedrooms in 10 million homes in Australia. In 10 so million homes. So in okay. my brain tells me that that's existing housing stock. That's already <laughs> been built. It's there, right? Now, if people can rent their room on a short-term holiday platform and that's become a thing, what about just flipping that and saying, well, how about we just rent it long-term or mid to long-term? Yeah. Okay. Now, the benefits on both sides of the equation is that you as a household, let's just say, um, you, um, Carrie, uh, that room is an asset. It's wasted space if you're not using it. That's right. Now, if you're just keeping it there for the guests, interstate guests that come once or twice a year, it's actually would be better for you financially to pop them in a hotel nearby and rent that room out 
Or conversely, when your guests come, maybe just rent a hotel for your housemate <laughs> and do it that way. Because yeah. it, it's ten to $12,000 a year on average in rent that you're missing out on. That's, that's pretty big, isn't the, it? That's pretty it's big. pretty big, yeah. Yeah. And our model, which is really unique, you can choose a traditional rental model or you can choose what we call a rent offset. So if that rent is worth, uh, so in our house, for example, uh, now that my daughter has left home for the fifth time, I'm finally now child-free. <laughs> um, I have a room. It's a very, very, it's an extra large room. It has an ensuite walk-in robe. And it's, um, there's another living room upstairs. We have a very large house. It's $250 a week uh, for the rent. Now, I'm happy to rent that for $200 a week and have that person um, spend an additional two hours on Saturday, apart from what everyone in the household does to contribute around the house. If they can, you know, vacuum up the floors, mm-hmm. um, uh, if they can, um, uh, you know, maybe weed the garden, just a, a couple of hours of things that, you know, the rest of us normally might split that they can do for me. And then that means that I've just got more time to paint, right? And that that's what a rent offset is. Now, some people might want to do a rent offset for the complete amount. And some people might just want rent and not a rent offset. You can negotiate how you want to be- use that asset in the best way for your household. And that could also change as you, um, as you go on. We have um, a couple of women that are in their 50s in Sydney that were... Um, been house sharing for 18 months and uh, the the woman who um, owns a house is single mother, she's widowed actually, sorry, um, and her son was about I think six or something at the time and she wanted a, an older woman in similar age to her that she could also develop a friendship with. There would be just another adult around the house who could help support with a child. Now <clears throat> she was a, um, a, a, a doctor ep- epidemiologist and so pretty full-on career she had this beautiful little bungalow at the back a nice little garden in 10 minutes from the city in sydney and so cheryl Lane, who was uh, developing a um a dance school in the eastern suburbs um wanted to reduce her uh cost of living so she agreed to live there rent free and um she just helped out with uh, with the boy, um, getting him ready for school and then looking after him a little bit after school. And then she was actually able to go and um, run her dance classes at night. Oh. So it fit in with her lifestyle. And the whole relationship just worked really well. And through COVID, they were actually lucky enough. They were actually there for each other through COVID as well. Mm. And so, you know, they're lifelong friends now. Uh, Cheryl Ann's actually moving to Portugal. She's got an opportunity there and they're really sad about it, but they're going to go over and visit her in Portugal. You know, and that's the example of it. It's like, well, you've got this asset. How can you best use it? It might be an elderly person who's aging at home on their own. It might be your parent and you're worried about them being there alone. Mm. They've got the most number of unused spare bedrooms in Australia. You know, you might be a woman who's recently divorced and need to, you know, top up your bank account a little bit. So you could go and um, maybe live with one of our elderly, you know, households because we think they're a really good match, actually, or with the family, perhaps, that wants, um, you know, if you've had experience already raising kids and you really like kids, you might want to be in that environment or you might want to live with another woman that's the same age, you know, as you that that's looking for a housemate. There's a whole number of different uh, social issues that are resolved as an outcome of this. Um, all of our users have to be verified, and I think that's the key that was- differentiator. That was my so they all have to have a digital, yeah. digital, 
Yeah, a digital ID by Australia Post. It's incorporated in our technology. Okay. Um, what that means is, is that when you click the verification button, a little window pops up so you don't have to go outside of it. You don't have to go to an Australian Post office to get it. It's all done there. We cover the cost of that. Our profiles make it easy to be matched based on personality, values and lifestyle. So you feel like you're coming home to a friend. That's really important that if you're opening your home up to someone that you can still be yourself in your household and you can choose rent or rent offset. So they're the three key things that our platform provides. And um, just recently, and again, due to a lot of people asking for it, asking for help, actually, a lot of households were saying, hey, can you help us find someone? And we've developed this technology that's able to do it all for you oh, and you wow. can search and the algorithm's there to, to, you know, bring the results that you want. But it's like if people are busy and they're asking for help. So we've launched a matching service, which is a premium service where um, it's based on the no match, no fee. So if we don't find someone that you agree to move in with, um, then you don't pay us anything. If we do, then we'll invoice you the first two weeks rent. Right. So then that way, you know, and we also help you articulate your house share agreement. That's a bonus at the moment, which will be, an additional service that we're about to offer just across the board um, and we'll do a 30-day check-in as well. So there's these premium services that we're adding to it for those who want it, um, but at the moment you can jump on the platform and um, while we're, you know, building up our community post-COVID, that's um, absolutely free to use at the moment. Well, your the room exchange has really been featured quite heavily in the media, hasn't it? It's really attracted yeah, to Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. I noticed that, yeah. you know, you've been on the Today Show, the CEO Magazine, Business Insider, did, uh, Market Watch, Yahoo Finance, News.com. I mean, it goes. When mm. when there's something like this, particularly, I think, since the, the pandemic, um, uh, when there's been loss, loss of relationship, loss of work, loss of um, just our mental um, uh, balance, I think, um, our emotional and mental balance. I think um, I, this is really, really very interesting. The Age Business Inside Financial Review, I mean, that's that's a lot of media. So it's very, very topical because, you know, most weeks we hear about how many uh, vacant apartments there are in major cities or, mm. um, you know, how many homeless are on the street or, you know, uh, what the statistics are on women 50-plus you know a whole lot of things men and women so the uh the stats that are coming out about our population particularly from the census data i imagine are quite helpful with how you're looking at the services that um the room exchange is providing as well yeah yeah absolutely and one of our um our key outreach at the moment is to government so we're looking at um um, approaching local government areas. Geelong is a big focus of ours at the moment, really uh, working at them coming on board as a, a pilot partner um, for our first LGA. But, you know, when you look at any of the country regions, Albury, Ballarat, Bendigo, Cobram, uh, I mean, I'm just talking about Victorian, um, mm. it's a last border now. There's a lot of issues around um, housing because a lot of people did the tree slash sea change through COVID as well. And yep. the infrastructure in these uh, regional towns wasn't set up to actually cater for. And so the locals who were looking for rents now um, can't find rents. And if they are, then they've actually gone up because the property values have gone up. So all yep. of this has a knock-on effect yep. that we need to be um, looking at. But, you know, look, it goes beyond that. I just think that we need to as a country, really look at our rental laws as well. Um, not, mm. not, maybe not rental laws so much as rental relationships. And so I'm a self-managed landlord. I'm a tenant. So we rent where we live and I and we rent out our house in Newport. 
and um, and we're also house sharers. So I experienced all three of them across the board. And when I look at my tenants in my house, when we sign a lease, they come over to our house with dinner and we, we, we share a meal together and they see that we're just humans like they are and, mm-hmm. you know, we laugh, we talk, we get to know each other and just say, hey, you know, if you've got any issues, you've got a number, um, you know, we'll get to it as soon as we can. If it's an emergency, we'll be there ASAP. Otherwise, it'll be within a week. We'll come and resolve anything. Um, you know, if you need any help with anything, just give us a shout out. And and we have never in the eight years that we've rented our property ever had an issue with any of our tenants. And um, and I think that, you know, when I look at that relationship, they're spending $26,000 a year with us. Mm. That's a pretty damn good customer. It is. You got any business where you have a customer spending twenty six thousand dollars? That's pretty cool. That's a pretty. Now, why don't we look at it like that, right? Yeah, we just yeah. seem to have this com- this conversation around, you know, tenants versus landlords, and it's like, why does it have to yeah. be this aggressive, you know, fight kind of yeah. mode? Why can't it be that? Well, I have an investment property. I can't have that unless I have good tenants. So if I find good tenants, I'm going to look after them because it's much easier to keep those tenants, good tenants, in the house over a long period of time, right? (laughs) And it is. Makes a uh, whole lot of sense because what you're talking about is basically it's relational work, isn't it? It's how we we treat others as we would like to be treated ourselves. Um, I, I think yeah. so there's yeah. a lot about yes. the type of leadership we need for the next say you know towards 2030 um, mm. and it's really human centered it's about being relational it's about how do how am I aware of what uh, how I interact with others what is it that I can do to sharpen up my communication skills the way I treat people talk about the expectations because what you were talking about there were some certain basic decent protocols I suppose or ways of just being together when you Mm. get a complaint how long you know if there's an inquiry about something or you need an answer on something well make sure we we tell each other well I can get back to you within a certain amount of time if it's a real emergency this is what we're going to do yeah I think you've got some beautiful some beautiful ground rules there um, that are building on the the whole value of your of your um your business. So yeah. well done. I think and it's fantastic, a, yeah. And the same applies with um, the room exchange. I've taken that experience with our tenants and just applies. So people say, oh, well, you know, how do you get make sure that the people are the housemates going to do what they say they're going to do? And it's like, well, how do you get an employer to do that? You mm. know, you you yeah. It's just, it's really interesting when it comes, when it comes to your home, people seem to think that they not able to negotiate that or they're just uncomfortable. It's like, oh, well, what if we don't get along and how do I get rid of them? And it's just like, well, what, what you do first is that you make sure that you make the right decision first and you can even have somebody come and stay with you for a long weekend before you commit to yes. them. You know, you can do those kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. And then it it's like, well, you've got all the boxes ticked, then it's just a matter of rapport. And then you have conversations about expectations. You write it down, you sign it. This is what we agree to. And then every Friday night or whatever it is, once a week for the first month, just have dinner together at the very least. Have a conversation. How, th- how are things going? Is there anything are you comfortable in the home? Is there anything else that you need in your room? Or the house might say, well, 
are you happy with what I'm contributing around here? Is there anything different you'd like? Or, you know, and then once you start to form that natural flow of communication over that period of the first month, it's just there. And as long as you lay down every expectation when the relationship first starts, when there is a problem, and I guarantee you there will always be a problem because it's people, right? Yeah. You're not going to feel, neither party is going to feel uncomfortable about talking about it because they already have that flow of conversation and communication mm. happening mm. as long as it's done respectfully and people generally most people in the world are good people oh well and look i think one of the major um queries if people are listening to if our listeners are, are thinking about this will be security like we all we all have a fear of will things be all right and mm. maybe not a fear but perhaps there's something niggling underneath it i don't know if I'd, I'd be game enough to do that so the assurances around security and and being able to solve a problem um mm. and, and finding out whether i've been matched up the right way um would be something that's i, I imagine yeah. is something that you take very yeah. seriously yeah yeah, so the platform, everybody creates a profile. Everyone has to be verified, whether you're a household or a housemate. Everyone's on the same playing field. Once that's done, then you're able to connect with users. You can't connect with anyone unless you're 100% complete. Then when you connect with them, we've got an inbuilt messaging system. Uh -huh. So at this point, you know compatibility based on the profile. You've got an idea if you think, you know, you're looking for a female maybe, certain age, um, certain geographical location. Okay, those things tick off. I can see what their interests are. We've got similar interests. Okay, that's good. Then you start messaging. The messaging flows pretty well, and we're all used to chat, Facebook chat, and all sorts of different forms of chat, so we all know how to do that. And then it's like, well, hey, how about we meet for a coffee? You're going to meet for a coffee. At this point, you're pretty close to knowing whether you're going to get along or not. Then it's just a matter of rapport. And then if you have the rapport, just say, well, come and meet the other households, come over, meet them. You know, you can ask for a copy of their driver's license, see the driver's license, whatever it is that gives you comfort before you do that. Yeah. And then you can meet the other household, invite them for dinner one night, invite them for a long weekend. And then at that point, you you know pretty well if you're going to get along or not. A little bit um, a little bit similar to, to house dating. <laughs> do you know how much everybody says, Ludwina, if you're looking for another business, you should do with matchmaking, you know, dating service. <laughs> how good is that? Really, it is. Kind of, yeah, because like when we do our matching service, the, the first thing that we do with our matches, I call them our matches, um, is that we do an interview with a household, you know, the, the primary person who's registered. And we ask them, a, a, you know, questions like, what you, how do you like to live in your home? You know, what's because mm. what we don't want you to do is feel like you have to change. Yeah. Although I will say that some there are some um, couples who've been together for a long time, they tend to, when they have somebody else in their home, it's like, oh, I've got to think about how I'm talking to my partner now. Maybe <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> or apparently I've heard I've heard that teenage kids tend to behave a lot better as well when there's somebody oh, else in the house. So that would be a plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, we, we ask some really good questions about the household personality. So if you think of your house as a brand, how would you describe it? Mm. Right? Like, are you, like in our household, we're kind of loud and, you know, we um, at dinner time for us is a question we always ask. How do you see dinner time in your home? For us, cook together, we sit at the table, eat together, we talk about our day. Occasionally we'll have a TV dinner or whatever if it's, you know, but most of the time meal time is a special yeah. time for us. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to house share with somebody who feels it's important to do a separate meal and sit and eat on their own. That would not work in our house, right? Yeah. Yeah. So 
it's finding out those things that work um and then you know I'd love to have a walking partner or maybe somebody we're living with is interested in art. We can go to art galleries together or, yep. you know, I've been trying to learn Spanish for like 10 years and I have somebody I can actually speak to someone who, you know, there's all these different things that they can contribute. Yeah. Um, it's a sharing of lives. It's sharing resources and sharing life, you know, well, one room at a time. This- Really? After this, you might have a few people who say, can I just come and live? Have you got another room? Can I come and live with you? Because that's what I've, I've been doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I'm actually... You know, all you're ta- what I'm you've actually... talked about today is all the problems that you've, you know, you've found solution for and how you've been able to deal with them. I think it's it's a beautiful way to look at life and you've been able to use that in the types of businesses that, that have given you life as well. So... Um, mm. Is there anything that we haven't really said in this conversation? Because um, I like to ask the question, is there, is there something we should still say that hasn't been said? Well, um, if there's something that you really wanted to do and you've given yourself a whole number of reasons why you can't, just question yourself on those reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, it might be that you you have to start off in a smaller level, first step, second step, as opposed to going to the big one. Like I didn't get to a business like the Room Exchange straight away. That was 28 years of development and, well, Mm. 25 years probably by the time I started. Um, And, yeah, just remove the the shackles off yourself as to why you can't. it, you, it's really is never too late to start something new. Um, and and the other thing is uh, fall in love with your relationship with fear, failure, fear and failure. Because fear is, for me, it's the place where, I know it sounds a little bit cliche, but if I'm afraid of something, it's something that I need to stretch myself on. So I will analyse it, I'll journal about it. Yeah. I'll look at the reasons why that is. And failure, I wish it was another word for it because I really don't like that word because to me it means that you've attempted. If you've attempted something and you didn't get the outcome that you want, then analyse that and attempt it differently next time Mm. and then just keep keep going because people who don't fail don't do anything. Yeah. You know, like you have to, it's like I'm, I'm really having a lot of conversations with my um, my adult children around that now because um, they're at that age it's like I know that you might not feel very good at this but if you really want to get there you're going to have to take a step towards it which means that it might not work yeah you need to put your own ego aside and yourself aside and and look at it differently and say well it's a step closer to where I need to be what did I learn from that how can I do it differently um, because I really think the more you give yourself permission to fail, the, the more you're going to mm. achieve and or grow and or experience in your life. So um, love, the, love the small fails perhaps, fall in love with the small fails because we often yeah. talk about, yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it, Fa- failure to, you know, people no, think, oh, failure to blast off or failure to thrive for babies. But I think, um, yeah, what what is the what is the opposite to fail is, is to... Mm actually achieve isn't it it is yeah because you can't achieve something unless you attempt and attempt 
Yeah. You're not going to know if we all knew all the answers or all had the skills and ability straight off, we'd all be doing the same thing, which would be boring. Yeah. Um, but just know yourself and know know what it is that you're really passionate about and that you're really good at and don't let that stop you. Don't let the things that you don't know stop you from doing what you want. Mm. So when I had did a TV show, for example, I had no idea from a technical perspective, but I knew people and mm. I knew how to gather people around. I knew how to get people. That one particular project showed me how if I have a vision and it's very clear, people will fall into that vision with me. Mm. Um, I don't like to say follow me, but fall into it with me. Yeah. And I can't, I look at leadership as it's kind of like, I don't look at a hierarchical structure. It's like a, a flat circle. Yeah. I'm in the middle and all the people who help me make everything work are just surrounded, surrounding me. And yeah. they each have a piece of that circle that's theirs, that without them, I'd just be this small circle in the middle. Oh. But because of them, I'm this bigger circle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I like leading from the middle. I think actually that has has a lot of value because you surround yourself with the people that you know complement what you do, what you mm. what you may not be able to do, what you're willing to learn to do, um, and can yeah. offer you different points of view about things. Because there's plenty of views, yeah, absolutely. there's plenty of views yeah. that we can take on board, not just the ones we're used to. Yeah, love mm -hmm. it. Well, listeners, mm -hmm. what a great conversation with Lubwina this afternoon. Now, if you'd like to contact her, she's got a ton of um, easy access points. Uh, first of all, if you're a LinkedIn lover, pop on to, you can either do um, at the room exchange and just remember it's X, a big X, and then change, C-H-A-N-G-E. I'll put all these in the notes for you today. Um, so, Lubwina, um, you also on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we've also got a phone number, so that's even better still. <laughs> but if you have oh, LinkedIn is the easiest way. LinkedIn is LinkedIn the easiest way to get me. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll put all those in the, in the show notes for you. Um, and um, a beautiful photo as well. So I've had an absolute ball this afternoon. Thank you so much, Um I love the fact that we've got it. We've got a bit of a call to action, everybody, haven't we? Just to remove the shackles. I really like that. And fall in love with a little bit of fear and a little bit of failure to help us achieve or lean into those um, times when we're being challenged. Pull out a little bit of grit and gumption and have a go. So, mm. And that's because you are precious and your thriving matters. So until our next episode... Ludwina, it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you very much for your time today. And uh, let's see um, how effective you are at um, connecting with all those people who are now going to rush you to rent a room from your place, I am sure, and from the room exchange. <laughs> and thank you very much. I have to say I've done a lot of interviews in my time. You are very good at this. Oh, You're very good. Thank you very it's much. It's been an enjoyable conversation. You've obviously done your research and you've asked some really thoughtful um, questions that had a deep sense of curiosity about them, genuine curiosity. I really enjoyed the conversation, so thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. So, listeners, give us a little bit of love. Everyone who has a podcast, Ludwina has one, I have one. There's just some fantastic ones around. We love a little bit of love, but also the fact that you share this with a colleague, a peer, a friend, family member, shoot it out through your contact networks, 
because we all are thriving and it's not an easy job every day, but together we can um, actually help each other. So bye for now. I'm Carrie Benedett and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters. 